Hey, this is Justin, and I'm here with my beautiful wife, Denisha, and you are listening to the Focus On Me podcast. How are you, babe? Doing good. How are you? I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> so, well, well, a little tired, but, you know, hey, it's life. Life. <laughs> Such is life. Um, so I think today we're going to be talking about, before I say I do, different things that maybe you should find out, different conversations that you should have before you actually jump the broom, as they would say. Uh Um, I think growing up, we, uh, especially in in different areas from church life to just regular life, we, there are a lot of areas that we don't actually dive into, you know, concerning marriage. I think that uh, sometimes with friends and stuff, you talk to them about, man, like, what do you want? What do you want in, in, in a maiden? What do you want in somebody that you actually want to get married to? And then sometimes when you don't get it, you wonder why you didn't get it. Uh So I think um, it's a very, it is an important thing to know some things that you probably should find out about Uh the person and about their their methods of thinking and the way they do things. And I think it's important. I think it's important. Okay. So what do you think one of the first, or maybe not the first, but what is a thing that people should really ask about before they decide to get married? So I think uh, one of the first, these these two things are the first two things that popped in my head. Um, Find out about their upbringing. Mm -hmm. Like find out how they were raised, the different things that they value, not only in a relationship, but in family. Mm -hmm. Because I think um, being with some, if you're, so for instance, like me, I, I know I'm, I think I'm a relatively family oriented person Uh um and i have good relationships with different members of my family not just like my siblings but cousins and aunts and uncles Uh and i think it's harder for someone who's not that way to understand having those type of relationships and realizing that you're not isolated to just them or just not isolated to just your immediate family you know but you are a family person so i think something something like that is something so let me ask with that like if they are not family oriented, would that be like a deal breaker? I don't or think is it's a, good to know where they're coming from. I don't think it's a deal breaker. I think it's something. I think it is something good to know. Good to know where what they grew up with and how their life was, mm-hmm. because I think that'll help you learn to kind of how to deal with certain things, mm-hmm. and it'll also tell you if it's really some if if the relationship should be a life relationship as far as a marriage or if it should be a friendship because Uh sometimes you may start off in a relationship with somebody and realize and get to the point and realize well maybe you know they're not a bad person but maybe we should not just be life mates Uh you know maybe they were you're just a just a much better me and you are much better friends than we are companions or you know we're our partners Uh life partners I know like everybody everybody has had different things that they they look at in a person when they look look for that that person you know the one mm-hmm. you know I know my I used to laugh all the time because one my dad used to always t- we were younger he used to always say son listen what you got to do you look at her hands and you look at her feet mm-hmm. and if she can't take care of them too she can't take care of you and I used to think that was hilarious because I'm like well dad what do you mean if you-? and and when I you know I was probably what 14 maybe or so I was I was relatively young. You know, wasn't thinking about marriage then, obviously, but it made me conscious and made me look at those things like, well, goodness, like if they got jacked their feet and if they got jacked their hands, like, man, they must, you know, and I mean, some people, they just do it. Some people are great. But then, you know, when you look at that, 
that dynamic or that thought pattern of like, you know, if they got jacked up hands and jacked up feet, like, like man, like some people just that's not their preference. You're right, but I'm just think I'm just thinking of the that logic of it. Mm-hmm. Like you start to wonder about their grooming. Like the grooming says for me I did. I started to wonder about like the type of groom, what type of grooming do they do? Are they the type of person that likes to like like you for instance, you like to get your nails done. You know, you like to do those things. Those are things that that you enjoy doing. And I think for some for some it's a thing where okay, they enjoy doing it and it help for them is like help beautify them, how all makes them feel good. So, you know, when I thought about like that that concept, it's like, well, does is that the re- is that the reason why they're doing it? Or are they just very good at take maintaining themselves? Uh-huh. And so I think when I think about what, what my dad said, I'm like, well, if they're good at maintaining themselves, then that means they would be good at helping me as well. Uh-huh. You know, I think that I, I think to at least that was my understanding of that particular quote and saying. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I think something I would think about in terms of before I say I do or asking or having conversation about um, before you say I do is like future goals. Yeah. Something that we were talking about in the last couple of weeks um, was the idea of me going to seminary or, or getting my doctorate in one of those areas. And I remember saying, yeah, this is something I've always wanted to do. I mm-hmm. wanted to do it by age, I don't know, 40. I think probably initially I wanted to have it by 35. I was 25 with a master's. So I think in my mind, I was like, oh, yeah, by 35, I want to have my doctorate. Mm-hmm. And when I said that to you, because like, I think your initial response was, it wasn't like you weren't against it. It was just like, like kind of what does that mean if you go back to school? Mm-hmm. And when I said... I've always, this was something I wanted to do before. I don't know if it was like one of those like click moments and you were kind of like, oh, okay. But what clicked for me is I don't think I told you that before. No. So, so you know, that's yeah. when I, I realized like that to some degree it can be unfair to have like people to this day, they don't call me Denisha. They don't call me, you know, Mrs. Whatever. They call me doctor, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this one one uh, sister from one of my old churches. She, for years, she would call me Ph. Diva, and she was <laughs> like, "And I'm gonna speak that into your life until that becomes, right. you know, what you do." And so when I said that to you the other day, like, "Well, yeah, this is something I've wanted to do," I realized, like, I don't think I ever told you that. Mm-hmm. And even though you weren't against me doing it or anything like that, it just made me really think about how sometimes you can switch up on a person. Right, And by switch up, I mean like switching gears or switching directions. Mm-hmm. So it's like, here's how I saw our life going. Not only like the invisible day schedule, but right. our invisible, invisible future schedule. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, wait, what does that mean? Because I know I started telling you, I like, well, I'll probably quit this job. I'd probably, you know, stop this hobby or this activity mm-hmm. to focus on that. Which, if that's not what you were thinking about or planning for, that could be a something to have to wrap your mind around right and unfairly i could get mad at you and be like well how come you're not supporting my dream you're not supporting (laughs) my whatever when in the beginning i never told you that and if i told you that from the beginning i don't think you would have had any problem with it but it would have absolutely just been a situation that you at least would have known about prior Mm -hmm. to us you know having that conversation so i think it really 
it's important to talk about future goals again whether that's education or if it is you know um where we're gonna live yeah you know we'll talk about kids probably in the second conversation or another area in this one but just Mm -hmm. thinking about like you know what your plans are for the future beyond oh i want to be happy and be in love and right you know (laughs) all that kind of stuff I think that's a, that's that's kind of good to, to to float into because you know I think that with goals, um, I think everybody has their own set of goals, mm-hmm. um, whether they actually discuss them or not. Um, I think uh, no, even not even knowing like okay, you know this is a person's hobby, for instance. Mm-hmm. You know this is something that they like to do enough that they want to make it, you know, a profession or they want to make it their main source of income or another source of income, you know, something like that. It's good to know because, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you're okay with that and then you might not be. Right. And I think knowing that ahead of time doesn't knowing that ahead of time will let you know if, again, if that's something you really want to go through or really want to stand by for a lifetime, mm-hmm. you know, versus it being okay. Well, I think this sounds good now and maybe I, I might be able to hang around for this. Uh-huh. I'm not quite sure, but I think it's it's good to actually know. Be confident within yourself to know, okay, you know what? I know I can, I can, I want us to be here uh-huh. during during this and through throughout this process. Yeah. What else do you think people should ask or have conversations about before we get married? Um, we talked about space as far as like living. We kind of talked about that a little bit. Like you said, you said living. You said we did talk about it a little bit, but not much. You just kind of grazed past it. Okay. Um, but uh, I know kids is another is a, like it's it's usually a glaring one uh-huh. um, because some people have a desire to have them, some don't. Some don't think about it and have career at one mate where one may have a career goal path uh-huh. where they're like, okay, you know what I want to like you were talking about being at twenty five. And then maybe you think about the 35 and some people have stuff beyond that. And, but in there, maybe the chat, maybe a child was not a part of that. Mm -hmm. And then if that's not discussed, I think along that line, you know, one, that other person may be like, Oh, you know what? Maybe we need to have a kid. It's like, wait, hold on. We we didn't talk about that. I we, I I wanted to do this. We, you know, we have goals, you know, we want to get the, we should get all of these things done, you know? And I think, um, talking about that prior and, (laughs) Anything can happen. I, you know, I'm, I'm well aware that um, even having some of these conversations, um, I think having the conversations are good for quote unquote homework purposes. It's like homework, you know, like do the work before. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm well aware of even the fact that sometimes even after you do all that work, sometimes things do change. Uh-huh. Um, but I think it's a, at least a good starting point. Uh-huh. To know that at least I gathered the information so I could make the decision. So what happens when things change? What you were talking about makes me think of that movie. And if our listening audience can't tell, I speak in movies mm-hmm. <laughs> and shows. But uh, that movie, Four Wedding, no, Four Christmases with um, Reese Witherspoon and oh, who's the one guy? You know him. But remember, the parents, both of them had divorced parents. They had to go to mom and dad's house on paternal parents' house. Oh, yeah. And they found out so much more about each other. And I know I didn't do a good job explaining this movie. <laughs> Basically, both of their parents were divorced. So 
you know, they had to go to the girlfriend's mom and her new husband, the girlfriend's father and his new wife, the boyfriend's mom and her new husband, which happened to be his best friend. Right. That was crazy. <laughs> and then the boyfriend's dad's um, house for Christmas. And they had this life that they built by themselves. Mm -hmm. But then when they were around their family, they realized like, oh, who are you? Like, I didn't know this person. Like <laughs> the one, like the guy had a whole different name. Like what she knew his name to be wasn't what his given name was. And um, when he went to her house, he learned that she used to be like heavy set and, you know, and just had a different experience. And then they found themselves challenged because they had these conversations mm -hmm. and at whatever point, you know, she thinks about having a kid. He's like, you're changing the rules. <laughs> uh, and I think sometimes a lot of couples find themselves in that space of the rules being changed because there was a plan. And then, like you said, life happens. Yeah. So what do you think couples should do even after? Or maybe we'll pause that for to kind of circle back around to. But what happens when people do have this conversations and the plan changes? So, yeah, I want to get my doctorate, but hey, your job maybe, you know, moves us to another location and I can't go to that school or maybe have to work a different type of job because we relocated, which now doesn't include an ability to go to school mm -hmm. or sickness. Someone gets sick, aging parents or something like that. And what was my plan around getting my doctorate changes. Right. Like, what do people do when that happens? I think it. the first thing is to have the hard conversation. Mm -hmm. Have the hard, because obviously every situation is a little different and which will require a different solution. Mm -hmm. So I, the first thing is ha have the hard conversation and then be open to solutions. Mm -hmm. If you even talk until you find a solution. Mm -hmm. Because have you know opening up the conversation is great, but ending it without a resolve mm -hmm. is not going to be helpful at all. Now, granted, sometimes you're going to have to leave the conversation. Sometimes some things get intense and you may have to leave the conversation and then come and come back to it. But you ultimately have to make sure that, that you find a solution, mm -hmm. some type of solution, some type of compromise to it that will um, leave you both with peace. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, you no matter what happens, you guys are the two that have to be together. You guys are the two that have to live together. So. If there's not peace in the home, it's not going to be a good. It's not going to be a good situation. Uh -huh. So, um, having the having those hard conversations and coming up with the correct solution or whatever the solution is that's going to be good for you, for you all, I say for the two of you guys, is the most important thing I think. Uh -huh. So, um, kind of back on topic, something else I think that couples need to have conversations about. And I want to say, I don't think this is a one conversation. Any of these topics are not just a one no, no, conversation. No, 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 no. But I think there needs to be conversations around money. Mm -hmm. So I think there's the basic, oh, what's your credit score? What's my credit score? Mm -hmm. How much money do you make? Mm -hmm. How much money do I make? Those kinds of things. But I think going deeper into how do you spend money? Mm -hmm. How do you manage your money? What does money mean to you? <laughs> Three dollars worth of this. Well, not only that, <laughs> but um, like for many people, money feels like safety mm -hmm. or money feels like power. 
in control. Or it can feel like bondage. Or it can feel like bondage, right? You know, I, I know couples that one of them has no clue how any of the finances work, which either lends to like wasteful spending mm-hmm. or whatever, because they don't know what the money is. And they're right. just opt out spending. Or I've also seen it where like the person's name was on the mortgage. They had to get money from the person, like their spouse. They didn't have access to the bank account. Mm-hmm. You know, the spouse would just bring them the money and say, here, you know, buy what you need, do what you need. So, you know, like when I say money can mean power or as you say, bondage, money can mean control. It can mean safety. Like for me, knowing what's in the account is so important. Like Mm -hmm. we often have that conversation about, (laughs) you know, my bank account gives me a text message every morning Mm -hmm. to let me know what the account balance is. (laughs) And my bank account gives me a notification whenever my card is used or even if it's the recurring card for Netflix or something, right. it comes through. So not knowing what's in there, not even having a control over what it was spent on, but right. just having that reference of what do we have often is um, it feels safe to me. Mm-hmm. And I think there's also the conversation around money regarding, are we going to have a joint bank account? Right. How are we going to spend this money? Do you have control over my money? Is my money... Is it our money or, and a lot of times couples have a thought about, should you keep a separate bank account? And mm-hmm. We need to have that conversation. Like how does, how do you interpret a right. separate bank account? How do you think, you know, mm-hmm. what I want you to know what's in my bank account or not? Right. Like all of those are really important money matter conversations because I think it means something to people differently. So to me, it's not even so much about the dollars, but like, what does this action mean to you? What does mm-hmm. this concept mean? Because most, they say most marriages either break up or have extreme difficulty because of finances. Right. Um, I, I, um, I agree. That's, it's definitely a conversation to have kind of, um, taking a left-hand turn. Mm-hmm. Or right hand turn, whichever way you want to turn. Right whichever way you want to turn. Um, taking a turn, uh, but it's still in in the vein of money. I think um, when you were talking about uh, spending mm-hmm. and how your money goes out, because in some cases, you know, where if let's say the man has the, the man has children from maybe a previous relationship or a previous marriage, mm-hmm. where the child support involves, mm-hmm. you know, it's necessary for that if you and that person are are contemplating marriage it's necessary for them to know this because maybe they don't maybe you know you maybe on paper you make good money but then when that child support comes out Uh you know maybe that money ain't ain't as great as it was before and that's something that the uh that that the other person needs to know about so they can decide. Okay, is this going to be something I can be? I can I can live with, or is this going to be something that I can deal with? Uh-huh. Um, am I going to be okay with knowing that this money goes here uh-huh. all the, every week, or you know, or one, or this amount goes out per month? Right. You know, am I going to be okay with that? And can we handle that? Uh-huh. Can we function still with that money being gone? So I think that's something that also needs to be, you know, something that needs to be discussed because some people have problems with that. Right. 
there there are there are some people that are okay with you taking care of your children, but not okay with you with that money not being there. Right. So that can cause a lot of confusion all by itself. That alone could be one big problem. Uh-huh. And I think um, withholding that information is definitely wrong. Definitely uh-huh. not the way to go. Because you withhold, if you withhold that information, then that kind of leaves, that can leave the question mark of what else are you withholding? Uh-huh. And it can also leave the question mark of why don't you trust me enough to tell me this? Uh-huh. So that opens up two or three other can of worms that don't have to be if you just give that information prior. Because again, you're, you're, you're giving them the free opportunity to make the decision as well. You're giving them the information to make the decision. And I think it's only fair that you give them as much of the information as you can so you both can make a logical decision on your future. Right. And I think very similar to that conversation is credit. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, how, what are your bills? So you talk right. about child support, like mm-hmm. student loans. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, how much of our weekly, bi-weekly, monthly income is going out to things that we maybe are not responsible for. So, for mm-hmm. example, like you said, child support, your kids, my kids, right? Or my student debt, my bills, my credit cards, things, mm-hmm. my car, whatever, before we got married. And it's also important to say, like, maybe in certain couple, you know, marriages, it's not that's your bill, that's your money. Right. It could be something that's like, well, these become our, our bills. Right. These are our things. And so making sure that you have an understanding about what the expectation is for either either party or for both of you. And, you know, again, is this a deal breaker? Is this something that you can handle? Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the things that people often talk about, like, that you should ask, and especially in certain faith communities, is the conversation about, like, you know, what is this person, does this person share your same, you know, faith? Uh, and I think that's a great question to ask, but I also think you have to go deeper in what does this mean? Right. So, you know, I have a situation with some people I know where they agreed to raise the kids in a certain faith tradition. Mm-hmm. And they divorced for a variety of reasons that we could probably do a couple talk shows on. And the one of the parents is finding a different path in her faith. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't really believe in all the things that she grew up in the traditions right. and the you know all that kind of thing. And while they're divorced, it's impacting to a degree how she, like she's never told the kids, "I don't believe that," and "Don't you believe that?" Mm-hmm. She just don't take them to church, or she just doesn't necessarily get into all of the things. And I pay attention to that because while it's they agreed that they would raise the kids a certain way her belief system is no longer it's changed uh aligned with their agreement to raise the kids mm-hmm. a certain way so i think that um just knowing that someone believes a certain thing is you probably isn't enough yeah like needing to go deeper into what to, again like say what does this mean for you right you know there are a lot of people who say for example 
celebrate Christian holidays, Christmas, mm-hmm. Easter, you know, yeah. so on and so forth. But they don't have a strong, maybe, practice of Christianity right. or a practice of uh, Catholicism or being Baptist or whatever that might mm-hmm. mean. And so really having those hard conversations about what does your faith mean for you and how do you live your faith out? Yeah, because every, everybody has their own way and you don't want to you don't want to assume that they have that same um I don't know, belief will be part of the word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, belief in how you live. So you because that right there could be a big problem if not discussed prior or if not learned because sometimes some people could go a, a, a while being in a relationship and never know anything about uh-huh. that person's faith because that's not a topic of conversation. Uh-huh. They talk about everything else, but that's just as important as everything else uh-huh. because it's an everyday thing. Yep. And one of the things that I have seen in couples, like uh, there's a particular couple I'm thinking about where, uh, you know, even if we share the same faith tradition like Christianity, do you believe certain things about Christianity like a woman can't preach? Right, or a woman right, should right. be at home, you know, mm-hmm. working in the home, like just different things like where now our reality is because if it's like I'm called to preach or I'm called to right. do whatever and you like, uh-uh, you called to be at home taking care of the kids. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a problem. Um, So while we definitely share our faith in, in terms of believing in Jesus, but we don't believe in the same things about what Jesus said. <laughs> Which are definitely not the same thing. Mm-mm. No. So it, it becomes a really interesting thing about how you live your faith out. Mm-hmm. So now don't just stop at, do you believe in Jesus or do you believe the same God I believe? You know, what does it look like to live that faith out on a daily basis? Mm-hmm. What else do you think? Well, um... I think obviously what you need to find out, and this is probably something silly to some people, but you need to find out people cook can cook. <laughs> because if you can't cook and she can't cook, y'all don't want to be eating out or spending all your money on eating out and on TV dinners. Maybe that's a skill that somebody needs to take on. Because if you know if you know that both y'all can't cook, then again. If everything else that you, if everything else is kind of something okay, you're like, okay, I can deal with this. I can deal with that. No cooking thing. Okay. And we don't want to spend all our money on uh, uh, BW3s. And don't be coming for BW3s. I said, spend all your money. (laughs) (laughs) Or on on Red Robin and on Red Lobster and, you know, and on Blaze. We don't want to spend all our money on those uh, uh, chains give them all our money where we can be making food at home, then maybe that's something that, that you or maybe her need to take some time and learn how to do something because everybody can't be hungry. And again, I know me, I'm not always going to want to spend the money to go out. Sometimes it's great, but knowing when you know that if push comes to shove and I don't feel like going out, I can make a meal, uh-huh. you know, a meal that we will be able to all eat, boldly. not just make a meal that, you know, not just cook something and it's not palatable at all, mm-hmm. you know, but something that we can enjoy. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that's something I, that's pretty important. Yeah. 
Uh, that's pretty important. Yeah, it wasn't high on my list. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, I love food, so it, it's it's high on my list because see, it wasn't high on my list just because I don't like to cook. Well, see, but that's the thing though. If you got one that can cook, so like for me, if I if I never tasted any of your food, I know push comes up. I know I, I I can cook, and I know we won't go hungry. Mm-hmm. But it's very good that you can cook. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't think I asked you. That's because you said you was always seeing me cook. That's why. Right, but I'm saying this <laughs> was, was good. I think the back, in my, the back of my mind was like, I got money, we can go out to eat. Like, one, because I went out to eat probably at least five, yeah. six times a week when I was single. So cooking wasn't a must, it wasn't a deal breaker or a must have. Um, I I want to talk before we wrap up here in a second. I think we need to. I make sure we identify that it's important to have conversations about sex. Yes. Now I I want to broaden that, not just like you know, because I think when people think about marriage, they think about like oh, have conversations about sex, like preferences and you know frequency, like mm-hmm. what people's sex drive is and how often do you think you need. And I think that's a setup, honestly, because <laughs> like especially in faith spaces we always talk about you know virtue and Mm -hmm. um abstinence and things like that so i think if you have been single and you've been celibate and you having that conversation about like well how much i'm shoot i'm gonna be ready to have sex i'm ready you know right (laughs) and then when you get in that reality that's because it's like saying oh i'm hungry i'm hungry i'm hungry and then, and then somebody give you some food and you can just only eat a little bit of it because right. you were so hungry <laughs> stomach is shrink <laughs> right so i think that's a <laughs> bit of a setup for people to say like oh have that conversation before about how much sex you need but what i do want to say a little differently than we normally say is i think it's important to have conversations about sexual history Yes. Particularly issues around sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to have conversations about um, lessons learned about sex. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, the way people perceive sex and the way people have um, been taught to think about sex is yeah. so important. I think growing up in the church, women were often taught that sex meant something differently than men. Not necessarily just in the church, but even in the streets, we're taught mm-hmm. sex to me. Right. And so there can become incompatibility around values, not even like frequency and mm-hmm. how often you need it in sex drives and your sex drives and your libido match, but just that the use and misuse of sex, which oh, especially yeah. can happen when there's been sexual abuse, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's really an important thing because I think when there are challenges in relationships, especially if the person has not disclosed that right. they have had some sort of sexual trauma. The couple can be very frustrated because mm-hmm. there's something amiss. There's there's a and they impact, don't know what it is. And they don't know what right. it is. And usually it causes resentment and arguments and mm-hmm. things. And I always say the problem is not the problem. We arguing over chicken, but really it's because you're sexually frustrated. Right. You're sexually frustrated because maybe my past sexual traumas are getting in my way of being able to fully connect right. with you and be fully open. And because we have not had those that deep intimate conversation, it impacts physical intimacy right. in other spaces. Right. No, I think I think that's very, very true. I think um 
definitely uh, talking about the sexual traumas uh-huh. um, is is very important because I mean, like you said, one of the things you you mentioned I think was really great was the differences in how uh, sex was uh, presented uh-huh. to male a male versus a female, especially in the church realm. Um, I think that with those things, I know, and I've, I've told you this before that, you know, back, back in where, I, where I'm from, you know, they used to tell us that kissing was a sin. Uh-huh. So, you know, I remember one day talking to uh, a pastor and the pastor telling me that, you know, kissing wasn't a sin. And I was like, okay, I was relieved. And then he told me that sisters, some sisters just need, you know, Don't say a, I, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to word it correctly. Don't even say uh, um, a good splitting. <laughs> let me say that a good a good a good body splitting. Let me say that. Hopefully somebody will get that. That was um, terrible. It was it was terrible. That well that was terrible. Uh, but hopefully they get they, they get what I'm saying. Um, but even hearing that coming from someone threw my brain off, and where I know like okay. That shouldn't be what it's about. Just like hit it and quit it. That's not what it's supposed to be about. But if I have that mentality and then I end up with someone who's had, you know, been in a relationship or something where they had a sexual traumatic situation happen, Mm -hmm. my usage of it and their use of it are going to clash. And like you were talking about, you know, not understanding why there's something amiss. It's important to talk about those things because then you'll know how to deal with you. You'll know the things that maybe we should not try. Maybe, maybe I know that this type of aggression or this type of approach towards, uh, you know, this particular situation is probably not the, the best approach given our history. Your history, my history, and it also will help know why maybe okay if I if I touch her shoulder a certain way why they jump, mm-hmm. you know because maybe that's a trigger maybe that's something that comes that it, you know it brings back things to their remembrance right. that you know that weren't that that weren't obviously weren't good they, they, it's pretty much the trauma response mm-hmm. you know um, so it's very important to know that because. it's always been said information is power Uh and that power used the right way can bring forth the greatest results and that in the same token that power used the wrong way can lead to more trauma right and more disaster so i think it's very very important as you said to uh discuss those things in all in, in all spectrums especially that spectrum though so as we wrap up this episode, are there any takeaways or last thoughts you want to leave with our listeners? Take the time to ask the hard questions. Take the time to have the completely hard, um, basically ha- have the conversations that no one thinks to have. Uh-huh. The things that that you know that you've always wanted to have, have those conversations beforehand. So this way you have as much information as you need to see, again, if this is something to move forward with or something to chill on. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, as you were saying that, the thought that came to my mind is not only have the conversation that people don't want to have, have the conversation that people are afraid to have. 
Because I know I've been in some relationships where I'm like, I need to know this, but I'm so scared to ask. Mm -hmm. Or I don't want to rock the boat because I already know what the answer is going to be. Which I think if you're afraid to have that conversation, that's probably an indication too. Right. This is not a healthy Mm -hmm. relationship. um, Because if you can't have the conversation right there, that's a a red flag or or a telltale (laughs) sign. So definitely have the conversation have the conversations often and have the conversations in different um phases of your relationship but keep in mind that in different seasons of relationships those answers might be different right because you know even like we talked about another episode about cleaning like i knew what the answer was when i lived in ohio versus when i got to new york it was a different situation mm-hmm. or I knew what the answer was when I was 25. What is the answer when I'm 30? Right. Because as you keep growing and evolving, mm-hmm. things change, goals change, yeah. passions change, pursuits change, and don't hold someone to a thing just because that's what they said when they were 19. <laughs> you right. know, so right. even though you have the conversations, I don't, I don't want us to, you know, put out a, a fairy tale or Pollyanna, you know, type message that. <laughs> If you do all these things right, nothing bad will ever happen. That's not true. Mm -hmm. No, because things will change. People can change. And it's important to revisit those. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even to acknowledge if something moved and you you didn't recognize that it did or the person was in a different place than you were. It doesn't mean that it all has to be lost. It just means that's what we have to talk through and think through. Right. Well, we hope you enjoyed our show our episode and we'll um, catch you at the next time. Don't forget to share this. Don't forget to visit us on our website, thecrownllc.org. Visit us on our Facebook and Instagram page um, at Focus On Me Podcast and we'll see you next time.